Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Log, July 11th. I started to say the apology I had rehearsed in the car, but Karma was not having it. She went to close the door, and I stuck my foot in to stop it from closing all the way. I joked that we might be in a romantic comedy. She did not laugh. I get that you were trying to help me, one sister to another. I recognize that I was terrible to both you and the amazing women at brunch. I'm not used to that kind of unity, and I- You need to find unity elsewhere. Find another so-called sister to socialize with and show out with and pester. I told you I was over it, and I meant it. Move your foot and leave my property. She tightened her robe. I pulled my foot back, and she immediately closed the door. She didn't slam it, though, which I took as a sign of progress. I snuck around the side of the house to see if I could see inside. My horoscope this morning had warned me to not be impulsive, but that didn't stop me. I thought about Carmen making my skin color fade. That didn't stop me either. Lots of weird shit has happened here in Bedford. With every step, there were more noises, and they were becoming more distinct. At first, I thought it might be the four goddesses eating a late brunch and drinking champagne. Nope. These were moans and heavy breathing. No wonder Carmen was giving me the brush off. She was about to get laid, and I was like, well, booty over brunch. Then I heard Brooke's voice. Brooke? And Carmen? I wouldn't have pictured them together, but okay. Maybe two alphas would work out. I peeked around the corner because, well, I mean, I'm only human. And holy shit, Carmen, Brooke, Mommy Megan, and BB were together after all. Each of them was lying on a rattan chaise lounge to the north, south, east, and west of the fire pit in the middle. They weren't fucking each other. They were fucking themselves. They all had their eyes closed. Their bodies were naked and sweaty. A lit fire pit in July will do that. Manicured hands were sliding up and down and all around their manicured vaginas. Mommy Megan was already slipping her fingers inside herself. Brooke was squeezing both of her nipples. She was as aggressive as I expected. 
I almost giggled when I saw Bibi because her arms are almost too short to reach her vagina. Carmen was so graceful, I felt like I was watching a ballet. Megan said she was close and everything got a lot more hectic. Lots of writhing and arched backs. As they orgasmed, they all screamed out things that they wanted. Brooke, so vain. Twenty million sales! Carmen, always the capitalist. Mommy Megan was torn. My own baking show on the Food Network! And now, a loving husband! Fifty million dollar expansion of our distribution hub! Of course, BB wanted more space to store books that weren't mine. The fire in the pit screeched to a dangerous height, and each woman's desires were spelled out in smoke. This was real magic! I turned around and ran back to the car. What else could these women do? Then I thought about my vision last night. I was supposed to work with them in their circles. Does that mean being a witch like them? Realm presents If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It. Episode 4. When I got back to Great Uncle Felix's house, I forgot that Victor and I were in a cold war. I wanted to tell him about the witches. But when I got inside, I found him sitting in the living room, severely depressed. His eyes were wet and his nose was red. Oh. I'm so sorry, babe. Please, please forgive me. I'd never seen him like this before. I was wondering if he was just starting to process his grief over Felix's death. Maybe our argument triggered feelings of loss. I started to feel like such an asshole. But then he started paraphrasing Shakespeare. Tis but my name that is thy enemy. What's Richardson? It is not hand nor foot, nor arm nor face, nor any other part. What's in a name? Then he started saying he felt so bad for making me feel bad about risking his quote-unquote stupid family reputation. And it clicked in my head. The spell I had done worked! I didn't tell him about the four witches formerly known as goddesses right then. He started kissing me, and makeup sex was on the horizon. And I was feeling a little horny after the scene at Carmen's house. I'll just leave it at that. I was very distracted. Ugh, poor Jenna has lost her mind. My God, sex magic? I know that sometimes bipolar people become fixated on sex or religion. I researched symptoms of the disorder when I was 17 to see if I was bipolar, but it turned out I was simply experiencing regular teenage hormones. (laughs) She does, however, have a way with words, no matter what is going on in her mind. I will admit, 
that I was the tiniest bit turned on by the masturbatory scene Jenna described. Hmm. Does that mean I'm a lesbian? <laughs> Just because I haven't been satisfied in any way by a man, even Hamilton Greer, who had perfect hair and a superior penis, that doesn't mean I have the right to claim someone else's sexuality. Right? Though sexuality is fluid. No, no, okay. I absolutely must concentrate. Come on. Jenna's recording may provide me with an opportunity to talk about the need for more mental health resources in the Black community. I have heard that African Americans have a cultural distrust of therapy. I should confirm via Google search. Okay, big question. Is it my place as a white woman to talk about mental health issues among Black people? Yes! <laughs> I am here to help after all. Of course. I mean, who says that help should stop with Jenna? I can host a special podcast series at a legitimate news organization, give space to experts of color. They can help unpack why Jenna really believes those four women are witches. Brooke, Carmen, and Megan never even went through a goth period in high school. But on the other hand, what happened to believe black women? What should I do? Maybe Carmen can clarify things for me. Even though I arrive unannounced at Carmen's home, I had the good sense to bring a gift. Jenna's recordings said Carmen had an affinity for the organic crumbs from the 13th house. Holding a ribboned bag of her favorites, I've never felt more confident that someone would be pleased to see me. Carmen invites me in straight away. I follow her into the living room, taking note of the bright and airy contemporary pop interior design of her space. There's a lovely Latin top note to her decor. It manages to be colorful, yet not gaudy. Kudos, Carmen. I look away from the lighting fixtures in the ceiling, and my eyes fall on Brooke. I remember what Mommy Megan told me about Brooke's temperament during her creative periods and how mean Brooke was sometimes in high school when she'd tease me about my hair, skin, clothes, you name it, even being a virgin for so long. Carmen commands me to sit. Nervousness bubbles up in the form of inappropriate laughter. <laughs> my grandmother calls them titters. I refuse to use such a word. Brooke comes over to me, bends down, and gives me a kiss on both cheeks. I'm not high school Elise anymore. Now both she and Carmen are standing, and I, I don't know if I should do the same. I'm in a very vulnerable position here. They could devour me if they wanted to. They don't. After Carmen settles in, I bring up Jenna. Delicately. They look at each other briefly, and I think I've made a mistake. Is this tea poisoned? Was Jenna right? Well, not about these women being witches, but about them being dangerous. Listen, I experienced what a troubled person Jenna was firsthand. I made every attempt to help her, and my efforts went unrewarded. Given how erratic she was all summer, it was no surprise to any of us that she ran off. Went missing. 
They look at each other again. I don't like that. Jenna was obsessed with us, Carmen and Bibi in particular. We know she wanted to write a book about us being influencers and how we don't do any real work. They explained to me what a baseless accusation it is. Not only do they have to build their own businesses, but they have to create content for their followers, grow these followers. We engage with them. Brooke explains, etc. I've heard this before. I still find it hard to have sympathy. There are people in this world who work in coal mines every day. I suddenly find myself mesmerized by the red garter belt peeking out from behind the slit in Brooke's long black linen dress. It's playing hide-and-seek with me as Brooke shifts in her chair. Pay attention, Elise. The term witch has been used throughout history to rob women of their power and success. Brooke says passionately. Her biceps are just gorgeous. So defined yet soft. But how did we get on the topic of witches? How did they know Jenna accused them of being witches? I'll have to research the politics of women and witches later. And for another black woman to try and rob me of my power and discount all of my hard work as a black influencer in the beauty and wellness space was even worse. I already have to work twice as hard as white women in the same industry. I pull a tissue from my Falabella tote and hand it to her. She puts it in her pocket. Look at how strong she is. She won't even let herself cry in front of me and Brooke. I wish I was that strong. I retrieve another tissue for myself. Please excuse me. I don't want my white lady tears to derail the conversation. Brooke reaches across the side table between our chairs and rubs my shoulder. I look into her icy eyes, and then my eyes dart to that red-hot garter. I can feel the heat building in my nether regions. <laughs> I make my excuses and leave before I leap out of my seat and passionately kiss Brooke right on the mouth. Yeah, sexuality is definitely fluid. <laughs> Log, July 12th. I finally got Victor to sleep around 3 a.m. It was disturbing to see him crying so much. That was my first lesson in the consequences of magic, I guess. This morning, in one of the spare bedrooms, I tried to do sex magic solo style, like I saw the coven do. It felt awkward as hell. Probably because I caught a glimpse of Colonial Jenna in the mirror as I was touching myself, and that really just killed the vibe. Point of growth? I'm starting to get used to Colonial Jenna. I mean, I grabbed my laptop and got the hell out of that house as fast as I could, but I did not scream. I can only guess she's relieved that Victor and I made up. I went to the bagel shop in town. Victor told me before we even came up here that they were the best bagels in all of Westchester. I like them, but they weren't as good as Brooklyn bagels. I'm compelled to say that about every bagel outside of BK. But here, I like that the guy behind the counter didn't want to chat when I put in my order. Just in and out. It eased my homesickness. I miss my local bodega in Kaleem, the guy who owns it. 
He makes the best chopped cheese anywhere and smoke Lucy's with Victor every evening outside the shop. I tried to do my sex magic research while eating my egg bagel, but people started piling into the shop and I felt self-conscious. So instead, I looked up Great Uncle Felix's house. I know that they insist that the Richardsons never had slaves, but how is Colonial Jenna connected? I understand how crazy this sounds. I just can't deny what I've seen. Ghosts and magic. Hmm. Maybe that's the book. Nobody would believe me, though. I'd ruin my career before it even got off the ground. When I lifted my head to take a sip of the bean water they call coffee in this shop, I spotted Dr. Hager walking past outside. I grabbed all of my things and shoved them in my messenger bag. Hi, Dr. Hager. Hey, I just wanted to apologize to you for my behavior at brunch the other day. Tilting her head, Dr. Hager looked me up and down. She looked confused and I briefly wondered if she was in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. It's me, Jenna Clayton. Systems of capitalistic oppression. Remember? I came to brunch with Carmen. She smiled and smiled like a deranged marionette when I mentioned Carmen's name. I remember brunch with Carmen. Isn't she just wonderful? So beautiful and bright, she is going to be somebody. And then she walked off. It was so weird that I called Victor to tell him about it. Wait, what black lady luncheon? The one your mother is mad at me about? The one where I made a scene? You wanted me to pay Dr. Hager back for footing the bill for the whole thing. Oh, Dr. Hagar. My mom loves Dr. Hagar. Tell her the Richardsons send our best. You should get to know her, babe. My legs felt weak. When I heard wind chimes, I thought I was having a stroke. I was sure Carmen had done something. She'd done some kind of spell to make Dr. Hager and probably the other women forget all about me in the incident. She made Victor... And I bet his mom forget about the incident, too. I followed the sound. No one else in the street seemed bothered. By the time I got to the source, the 13th house metaphysical shop, I had my hands over my ears. I looked down at the sidewalk and saw a street art stencil that said, Protect yourself. The chimes stopped. I went in. I roused the shop for something that would protect me when I went to confront Carmen for making people forget me. I milled around and finally decided on black tourmaline. Is that going to protect me against a witch? I asked the counter girl while she was ringing me up. A real witch? When I said yeah, she huffed a laugh and said no. I almost left the tourmaline there, but I figured having it would be better than nothing. At the very least, I could throw the crystal at Carmen as I ran away. But the craziest thing was, when I walked out of the metaphysical shop, I couldn't remember why I was so angry. I didn't remember about Dr. Hager or Carmen or anything until I got back to the house and Victor asked me how my writing session at the bagel shop had gone. What the fuck is happening? How powerful is Carmen? 
Is the whole coven that powerful? The modified gossip spell worked on Victor. Maybe I can modify Carmen's skin fading spell and give her a taste of her own medicine. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Jenna is infinitely fascinating. I think an entire documentary could be made about her mentally disappearing herself before she physically did so. I consider calling Dr. Gingham to learn more about this kind of psychology. I pay her $250 an hour to analyze me. She can afford to assist me on this very important project. I dial Dr. Gingham's number. She might also help me understand my feelings about Brooke at Carmen's house. Wonderful. Now all I can think about are Brooke's long legs and her red garter belt. Ugh. What mysteries lie just above that garter, huh? I taste blood. Oh, gosh. Oh, I've bit my lip. Your call has been I hang up on Dr. Gingham's answering service and tend to my punctured lip. I can't stop thinking about Brooke. I'm surprised. You know, I, I would think Carmen would be more my type. Black women are just so beautiful. I try to think of Beyonce, but it's Brooke I see when I close my eyes. That garter Brooke was wearing, pressing into her toned thigh. I cross my legs and sit on my hands. It's getting humid in my underwear. I, I, I need to get back to work. Think of Jenna. I go into Jenna's contacts on the cloud. In my notes, she mentioned a friend named Joanne who is taking care of her plants. Maybe Joanne will have some tips to help me maintain my hydrangeas past this season. 
I call twice, but no one picks up. I leave her a voicemail saying that she should call me back because Jenna's gone missing. She calls me back immediately and accuses me of running some kind of scam. I tell her that I'm a good friend of Victor and Jenna's. How come I've never heard of you, Elise, if you're such good friends with Jenna? (laughs) Even if she really was missing, who are you to be the one calling? I hang up on her and text my apologies. Since Victor is going to hear about this violation of Jenna's privacy anyway, I have nothing to lose by calling her mother. Victor didn't mention reaching out to her. Maybe that's who Jenna ran to, though I don't know what their relationship is. I decide I'll be more delicate about Jenna being missing than I was with Joanne. I heard of this. You're trying to get some money from me? Mrs. Clayton, I would never... Aha! My last name isn't Clayton. My daughter's friends know that, and they don't call! I am drowning in her contempt. I'm sorry. I'm really Jenna's friend, and a friend of Victor's, too. I'm going to check in with Victor, and if he doesn't vouch for you, I'm calling the cops. Anybody who really knows Jenna knows that she goes off sometimes to clear her head. That's just who she is. I know I can't put off doing damage control. I go downstairs and find Victor outside, grilling some vegetables for lunch. I tell him about the calls. He hangs his head and sighs. Look, I wish you hadn't done that. We don't need to alarm Jenna's mom just yet. I'm sorry, I really am. But they didn't seem all that worried. And I just thought they, they might have some insight into where Jenna's gone. I say not liking the whine in my voice. Strong women don't do that. Brooke would never. Wait, what? Why am I thinking about Brooke? This is not sexy time. Listen, when I met her family, they told me about the time Jenna went missing during a college trip to Europe. Everybody panicked. She was fine. She'd made friends with this band that was touring Italy. She came back after a couple of days, speaking more Italian than she could have learned in class. But Victor... She's not in college anymore. She's an adult, a pretty thoughtful one despite some eccentricities. Aren't you worried at all? Am I worried? I am worried, but I just feel like she's going to show up any day now. He says, pulling out a pack of cigarettes. Not a sexy habit. It's clear to me that if Jenna is going to be found, it's gonna be by me. Victor is so in denial and so weak. Brooke would never let someone she loved go missing without doing everything in her power to find them. I just want to see her. I need to see her and tell her how I feel. Elise, do you understand what I'm saying? I can't stand the sound of his voice right now. I have to see my beautiful Brooke. Victor is still talking as I walk away. Log, July 12th. This evening, around 6, I went back to town to pick up a bottle of wine to help me and Victor relax. When I was followed around the store looking for a $10 red, I decided to chat up the clerk instead of getting offended. I told her that I'm a writer when she asked what I do for a living. Anything I would know? Her thick thumbs prepared to do a Google search on her phone for a title of mine. 
Not yet. My debut book is coming out next year. It's going to be about influencers and capitalism, I said, reading her face for any reaction to that subject. That's cool. The clerk said politely as she put her phone away. (sighs) Not good. I splurged on the $25 bottle. As I walked through town, I stumbled onto a lecture on the history of slavery in the area. Sign from the universe. Or maybe the spirit of colonial Jenna led me there. I don't know. Ghost and magic. I'm in new territory. When historians throughout time speak of the hanging oak here, they were probably referencing several trees throughout Westchester used for hangings. Over time, the various trees were merged in stories into one tree called the Hanging Oak. This was probably a subconscious effort to minimize that dark history here in a place that considers itself fairly liberal. The more I listened to him, the more I became convinced he was wrong. I was suddenly sure that Colonial Jenna had led me there, and I know why. The Hanging Oak is real, and on Great Uncle Felix's estate. I wake up to find my phone vibrating in my pocket. Am I... Where am I? Am I at the B&B? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. The town restaurant guide is on the desk across the room. The vibrating stops and starts again. I pick up. It's Sylvania. Good morning, Elise. I'm going to get right to the point. We love, love, love your piece on that artist, Brooke Gates. Super sexy. Huh? What is she talking about? I haven't done a piece on Brooke, have I? But we want gossip. Like, that's the assignment. I suggest you scrounge some up immediately. I look in the Dropbox I use to share files with work and listen to the recording posted there. Oh my god. My voice is drenched in desire. I keep telling Brooke how beautiful she is, how powerful her work is. I get goosebumps when I get to the part where she puts goggles on me so I can help her work. I get a flash of her mouth being so close to mine and how I leaned forward so they brushed together. Then her laugh as she walked away. Oh, why don't I remember more than that? Oh God, I put in an emergency call to Dr. Gingham. I think I'm having a case of transference regarding Jenna. Her obsessions are becoming mine. Oh, I've gone far too far. Far too far. You're listening to If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, starring Gabri Sidibe. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hi, this is Fred Greenhalgh, director of the new fantasy podcast, ElfQuest. ElfQuest is based on the long-running graphic novel series by Wendy Peeney and Richard Peeney. It follows the fierce tribe of woodland elves called the Wolf Riders after they've been burned from their homes by hostile humans. The Wolf Rider chief, Cutter, must lead his people to safety. And through their journey, the Wolf Riders discover they are not alone in their world. 
It's been such an honor to bring this classic series to life in a whole new way with a stunning cast, cinematic sound effects, and original score. And I'm stoked to say it's available via Realm as a free ad-supported podcast everywhere. So join the elves in their epic saga by listening to ElfQuest. Search ElfQuest wherever podcasts are served or go to realm.fm. Here we go. If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It is executive produced by and stars Gabory Sidibe. Written by Pia Wilson and produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Michael Coulter and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Gabory Sidibe, Sarah Natacheni, Aaron Landon, Lena Klingeman, Tony D, Alba Ponce de Leon, Tiana Camacho, Jordan Belsky, Eli Gonzalez, and Andrew Lee. Directed by Kaylin West and Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design by Fred Greenhalge and Carter Wogan of Dagaz Media. Audio engineered by Corey Barton. Original theme music by Hashem Asadolahi. Cover art by Kendall Thomas with original illustration by Rochelle Baker. <laughs> <laughs>